Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of rambling wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 76 of Unblocking Crypto. Pal, as always, great to chat with you. Good to be here. We had some interesting news in the past week, and the big news of this week is Ripple has won the initial lawsuit against the SEC, which is pretty exciting. This has been going on for three years now, and it is, of course, most likely to to be appealed by the SEC at some point, but it is a, a pretty big deal, and holy cow, I mean, Ripple's token price jumped, I think, over 100% shortly after that. Even Coinbase, their stock doubled in like two days from when that happened. So it was a lot of pretty exciting news that happened around there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, the way I read it, it didn't seem like it was a 100% victory for Ripple. But for the judge to say that it was a not a security once it's sold on secondary exchanges and between like anonymous buyers and sellers, that's a that's a real path for everything to not be a security and then like the pre-mining sale being a security which is not something that i really even thought about you know the the failing the the howie test you know that that pre-mining is like automatic failure but i didn't really consider yeah you could you could do that on the pre-mining side and it'd be a security and then once it goes into an exchange and you're just buying and selling these, you know, commodities or uh, what they're calling are commodities that it's no longer considered to be a security. So that's pretty interesting and it's pretty friendly for exchanges. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I mean, definitely true. Coinbase and Kraken have already mentioned that they're planning to relist XRP on their exchanges, which is kind of a big deal because if you wanted to buy XRP, it was not easy. At least yeah. in the US, Coinbase sure. already has it up. No. Yeah. So, and I, I think Coinbase is pretty excited that the SEC had a little bit of a blow. And while yep. it's not perfect, it, it does make things seem better for them. I, I know Kathy Wood had done a very good job of buying Coinbase shortly before. And <laughs> th- they have even started selling some. But if you look at, I mean, I think they owned uh, just over 10 million shares and they sold like five something percent of their shares to make a little bit of money back so just being smart money managers getting taking profits off the table while you can or at least some profits yeah and you got to think that this is good news for coinbase's law they're you know being sued by ASEC for for selling un, um, unregistered securities so this is going to be a bit of a precedent setter and if so ripple's already 200 million dollars deep into legal expenses so, you know, the SEC's opinion of uh, all you have to do is come in and sign some papers to be a registered security. Um, Ripple's d- gone through $200 million worth of not not following that process. So I think that what you'll see is they're going to struggle to to win against Coinbase because Coinbase isn't selling pre-mined tokens. They're only selling these secondary after the organizations established and the judge's words were xrp as a digital token is not in and of itself a contract transaction or scheme that embodies the howie requirements of an investment contract so 
I think that there's enough gray area there that they'll appeal it. If it goes to the Supreme Court, I think the Supreme Court, the, the way they're currently uh, ruling on things is very anti-federal government overreach. So I would think that XRP would feel good about it if it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And if it did that, you could really have a situation where the SEC's not in charge of digital assets uh, once they're in the secondary market. I think the pre-mined security side, the SEC would be in, you know, they would have authority there. But everything else, I think, is, is up for grabs and that's wide open for exchanges. I th- this is all just proving how late regulation is to, to clean up this stuff. But I got to think it's great for Ripple. You know, they're, they've been trying to do business with banks. And, you know, good luck doing that if you don't have regulatory clarity. So this, this helps them a lot. Yeah, and speaking of regulation, I know we've talked about regulation being a huge theme. There's a bill for stablecoin regulation going on in, in Congress right now that has been delayed another week or so. And it seems to be the two sides of the the parties are fighting. Uh, the Republicans think the SEC has everything they need to regulate crypto. And sorry, the Democrats think that the Republicans uh, believe that they need to have some sort of new regulation for stablecoins. And even the Circle CEO, which is one of the largest stablecoins out there, pretty much came and provided a warning to policymakers saying that we need to find a way to protect stablecoins, and and which is really providing a regulation of some sort, uh, or else the U.S. dollar is going to lose its hold as the kind of the global currency that everybody uses today. So... It's interesting to see what's going on there. I think it's got a little ways to go before anything really happens, but there there is a fight going on internally in in Congress on what to do there too. Yeah, I mean, at least they're talking about it. I think that the Hillebrand, the Lummis-Hillebrand bill was modified and reintroduced as well. So, you know, they're they're trying, but they're running out of time. Next year's election year. They're not going to get anything done. This is July. So they got about nine months max. I don't know if they're going to get anything done. Yeah, what's interesting, there's been a couple of other stable coins that have been talked about or, or started here in the past week, too. So Aave, which is one of the larger tokens out there, they just released their stable coin called GHO. It hit about $2.5 million in market cap in the first two days of it being unleashed. It is an algorithmic, algorithmic, algorithmic. That? Yes, that's the word. So it is based on Ethereum and it, it uses over collateralized loans, much like makers die. Uh, so we'll see how that works. I mean, I know those type of, I mean, maker die has done well. Some other issues we've run into the past with like Terra Luna and things like that have exploded with stable coins like that but hopefully it's going down the right path there there was also another interesting one a portugal based startup called athena they just recently raised six million dollars it was led by dragonfly which is just a big crypto focused venture capital firm but it also had quite a few other investments one of which was from arthur hayes who's the 
old Bitfinex CEO, and then quite a few of the derivatives exchanges as well with some money in. But they're planning on designing a stablecoin that is on Ethereum, but it's based on tying to the U.S. dollar. And in addition to that, they'll also do a bond token based on that stablecoin as well. So I think their stablecoin is going to be USDE, little e. And one of the things they've talked about is the ideal stablecoin is stable, decentralized, and capital efficient. And we really haven't been able to find a stablecoin that is all three of those. So their goal is trying to do that. And they're using, I think, a bunch of derivatives that kind of help, or primitives, derivatives, whatever they're, they're going to be to kind of help do all this. So it is a new thing. We'll see how well it goes. But I mean, there's a lot of stablecoin things happening right now. And, and hopefully the U.S. will start accepting this so we can start moving forward. Yeah, I mean, if the government will get to a point where it's like, yep, this one's okay. Right, or, or they're, they're, this is within the bounds of what we consider to be, you know, regulation. People could start to trust things, but you, you talk to people that don't have a penny in crypto, and they're like, "Oh, the U.S. government's going to kill it." And so they're, you know, they're watching TikTok videos or whatever instead of doing research on, you know, how close things are, or, or how there's just not a lot of government, like clear government regulatory authority. And so if, if these companies keep trying different things, and I mean, like, like that one, you know, being decentralized and fully backed, it, you get to a certain point where it's, it's kind of too obvious, even for Congress people to sit back and like, you know, this, this is a reasonable thing, might as well let it happen. It's not, or, or not just let it happen, but write down, yeah, okay, this, this, this can work, right? Like, it's not as though when the internet started up, the government was constantly setting regulation, you know, every time somebody made a website or everybody, every time a company um, registered in order to do internet service provider stuff. So, you know, you kind of let the, the market's going to run and then the regulations are going to come behind it to kind of clean things up and get rid of some of the, the fraud and, and bad actors. And it's, it's just time to kind of start doing that stuff. Uh, but back then, Congress is still writing some laws. Now, you know, if it's not part of a gigantic omnibus, you know, it really doesn't pass very often. So uh, you, it's just it's just time. It's just, you know, we, there's enough people in Washington that understand enough that they at the very least understand that this isn't going to stop without, you know, the, the, the fraud in crypto isn't going to stop unless they do something about it. And the useful side, like the innovation that's going to help make changes that are that are positive, that's not going to stop either. So they might as well write a little something for them. Yeah, I mean, the rest of the world isn't really slowing down, right? So we don't want to be behind everybody else. I mean, you look at the EU, they actually already have a spot Bitcoin ETF that's approved. It has, yep. not, it has not come out and been able to be kicked off yet. But I think it was approved back in 2021 and it was just kind of put on hiatus with everything going on. The plans are for that to come up and be available here very shortly. And they think it's probably gonna be before the US does theirs. BlackRock 
did officially have their ETF filing accepted by the SEC. So now the SEC has officially put it on the docket. There's like a 21 day public comment period for people to leave some messages for what's going on with this ETF, but they're moving forward. And if you look at what Larry Fink is saying is <laughs> he thinks crypto is gonna transcend away and be the one currency that is what everybody uses. So including more so the US dollar, right? So it's, there's, I mean, you, you talk about him being kind of the chief marketing officer of Bitcoin every once in a while, right? He is definitely continuing that path and saying crypto is the answer. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, it, all these different technologies are kind of converging on crypto at the exact same time that the US dollar is falling apart more than it has in, you know, almost everyone's lifetime. You know, the, for people that saw a high inflation in the late 70s, you know, you've got to be, you got to be like 55 years old or older in order to been 15 years old at the time, you know, that they saw this inflation. So you're talking about the majority of the workforce and the majority of the people, the productive people in the United States. This is their first experience with, you know, dropping over, you know, this is 2023. So over four years, you know, seeing their, their dollars in 2019 dollars, being able to buy, you know, 60, 70% of what they used to be able to buy four years ago. So you've got all the QR code, all the mobile technology, all the Venmo payments, all the, you know, moving money around with your phone stuff. Everybody's comfortable with that. Along with everybody understands that you know, these dollars, you know, I can't just, I can't just put money in a checking account. It's got to be doing something and you, I got to get away from dollars. So all that stuff's kind of coming together at the same time. Everything moves slower than I think it should, but you know it's all it's all happening. So I think you gotta you gotta if you don't see that there's an opportunity here for for crypto going to be really successful, I I think you're you're biased against it. Yeah, no, I agree. A lot of other interesting news has kind of been happening too, kind of somewhat related to a lot of that. If you look at you can say it, Osis. One of, one of the security companies out there, they have launched a debit card, the Genesis card that is happening in the EU and I think in Asia or parts of Asia. They do have plans for the US and kind of Q4 and beyond. But what's interesting about their debit card, it is the first card in which you hold all of your tokens in a self-custodial wallet. So you're not giving any of your tokens to anybody else and then they are holding it for you. You own all your tokens and you're kind of just creating an API that once something is sold on your debit card, it will create a smart contract that deducts that money. And right now I think it's all in stable coins, but their plan is to grow that even more and it is, apparently very complicated to do so what they're also doing is taking all the development they've done and they're giving it away to other companies as well to allow them to kind of follow in their footsteps so the hope is that now you can still own your tokens and be able to use a debit card against it if necessary which is kind of exciting yeah i mean you know the, the stepping stone piece of this to get you know people that are not interested in crypto into crypto 
you can't just be like, yeah, this is how you hold your own crypto in in a hard wallet, and you got to buy this weird USB thing and plug it in and air gap and you know all this stuff. It's 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 too much for somebody. So to, to things like this bridging the gap into like calling even calling it a debit card, right? Like everybody everybody's comfortable with debit cards. So those are the kind of things that need to be done, and for them to make it like open source like that is is helpful for for getting people to 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 move in similar ways with other, you know, with other ideas. So, yeah, I think, you know, that's probably good. Yeah. So speaking of open source, I'm not sure if you've done anything on unstoppable domains or the ENS, the ethernet name system. One of the big problems with most of crypto in general is the addresses for a lot of these are insanely difficult and confusing. So for you to kind of double check your 64 hexadecimal address to make sure there's no incorrect capital or lowercase letters or anything like that, or the ones and the L's are the right thing, right? This allows you to pretty much buy a, almost like an email address and connect your wallet to that. So ENS was one of the original ones. If you see all those, whatever name.eth, that's mm-hmm. kind of an address, right? And Unstoppable Domains came out and their version of it was .crypto and uh, .nft and .polygon and a few others. Well, what Unstoppable Domains just did is say, hey, we are going to allow you to search for .eth addresses using the ENS server. They're not taking any cost to that at all. So they're providing that service for free you pay so all the money would go to ens the ens dow you would have to pay the gas fee of course and then they are trying to become this kind of one-stop shop for all the web3 branding or domains moving forward um so they they did not partner with ens ens had almost no idea it was happening since ens is somewhat open source it just allowed unstoppable domains to create the the, the call into ENS to search for it and then book it for them. So kind of cool. Kind of cool. You know, it's funny, like I keep hearing, you know, all of these very low cost ways of doing things, right? Like Jack Maller's Lightning Network, moving money around super cheap. And I, I think Ripple needs to hurry. You know, they, MoneyGram was one of their partners because Ripple's good at moving money around their, their target customer base is banks. But, you know, the Lightning Network, the whole goal of that is just to disrupt the entire financial, you know, moving money around at a high cost industry. And it's the same kind of thing there. You know, it's like, yeah, we'll just offer this for free. It doesn't cost us much anyway. We can automate everything. We like basically have to have no employees to help manage and run it. And so you're talking about like a pretty wildly disruptive way of thinking for a business to give away something like that without selling all of the data and you know uh, uh, making a ton of money on the back end somewhere i assume being crypto related that they're not selling people's data so you do that enough it's going to get real tricky to find you know massive profits and that's going to run the banks and and major like kind of legacy companies that you know that that's going to be pretty disruptive yeah, I mean, their, their profits on the back end are they want to help create a subscription service to help you renew it. So you're, they're going to charge like $4 a year 
for you to renew your unstoppable domain or ENS domain, right? So, I mean, it's no, not a lot. No, no company in the world's interested in $4 a year per customer. Yeah, but if you had everybody in the world giving you $4 a year, then you're going to do okay. Because for the most part, you don't really have a lot of overhead. <laughs> Correct. But you you understand, I mean, even if you have a billion customers, $4 billion a year is, I mean, I guess it's great that you don't have really any employees or costs, but you still have to get a billion customers to do 4 billion in revenue, which is, you know, if you're looking at these major companies, $4 billion in revenue is not that big of a deal. Yeah, for a major company, but if it only has a couple of employees, then it's doing a pretty good job. Right. Um, Yeah, but it is replacing a major company's services. Sure. Sure. So Matic was also in the news here recently, too. They're planning on launching a new token. I think they're going to call it POL, P-O-L. Their goal is to replace the current Matic token. So if you have Matic tokens, you probably need to start paying attention to this. I think it'll give people a four-year window to replace the Matic token for the poll token at a one-to-one ratio. And one of the reasons that they're doing this is what they're doing with Matic is kind of creating a, a bunch of side chains and the poll token would give you the ability to collect rewards and benefits on all these multiple chains rather than just the single Matic chain that they have today. So, I mean, they view, I think they called it like Ethereum is kind of an active chain, but Matic is a hyperactive chain that is providing a lot more activity and whether it's ZK rollups or, or one of the other few things that they're working on, there will be multiple chains doing a lot of different things and the poll would, old token would be available for all of those. Stay tuned on that. Got it. Yeah, so I know last week we talked a little bit about where we saw price predictions for Bitcoin and and crypto in general. So maybe it's a kind of a good idea just to chat a little bit about kind of our thoughts there. And I know this is not financial advice or anything like that, right? But it is always interesting to hear because I feel like that's the first question that everybody wants to know is where is it going? Where do you think it can go? Yeah. And it, I mean, to me, this is the fun part, right? Like it's not, it, it's like the, the mind exercise that, where you get to like, Oh, you know, what's it worth? How much, you know, what, what kind of time frame? how would things move? You know, what did it do in the past? And Bitcoin kind of has these cyclical four year cycles based around the having and, that makes it kind of interesting to kind of try to try to predict and forecast what's going to happen. Um, and, you know, it goes on these manic bull runs where it just pulls in all these new, you know, people who are kind of thinking about Bitcoin last time. They're like, you know what? Okay, I'm in on this one. And then a certain percentage of those people stay stick around and, they, you know, they, they learn enough to where they're like, yeah, this thing's not going to die. It's going to go up and I'm, I might lose a little bit in the short term, but in the long term, you know, it's where I want to have some percentage of my net worth, you know, as a as a, a hedge against inflation or as a speculative investment, thinking that, you know, some, some everybody's got some boring 401k money, you know, just some lame mutual funds and stuff like that. So to throw a percentage of your net worth or two at, at Bitcoin, you know, it's it's been going on long enough that uh, people are jumping into it. So 
for me, you know, Bitcoin always does stuff that I don't expect. So maybe doing something like going back to its previous cycles, right, with a with a, a ramp up to a peak all time high and then drop off is something that we could see. I could see it happening a little bit earlier this time with stuff like this ripple judgment investment or uh, institutional money. It seems like it's ready to move the ETF, the, the European ETF, spot ETF, which would have to buy Bitcoin, the US ETF. There's a percentage chance that that thing is going to go through and be approved and would kick off in the next year to 18 months. You know, it's a real race to get that thing launched. And that would be a, a big buyer, kind of like GBTC was a big buyer in this ramp up along with Michael Saylor going from that like five six thousand dollar of Bitcoin in the 2019 2020 to ramping up to the forty fifty sixty thousand dollar range before things drop back off so you know I think we kind of chop around you know we've been kind of in this twenty five to thirty five thousand dollar range you know maybe we bump into the 40s and kind of fall back down and nothing real special you know for the rest of this year and then I think the having is April of April of 2024. So I think prior to that, we'll see some buyers as people kind of understand what to expect. So I think the price kind of starts to creep up in that first quarter of, of next year. And then six, eight, 12 months after that, we got to somewhere we, we kick on that extreme price escalation that sucks in money you know there's two kind of macro things to think about right you got all right if we have a recession the housing market tanks and the bitcoin decouples from nasdaq and you know is it, it, it's its price is, is more stable or more it appreciates better than other investments well that's going to pull money in as people are trying to figure out what to where to put their money to to avoid losses in in stock markets and things like that or the recession depresses the price of bitcoin as people are running back to us dollar for safety kind of like what happened in march of 2020 when the that liquidity crisis happened everybody was scared of COVID and didn't know what to do with their money so they just sold into dollars so if the price goes down i think you have so many buyers of Bitcoin, regardless of what's going on, then I think you kind of create a loaded spring where you just, the the buy, dollar cost averagers and just like real Bitcoin buyers are going to be buying these Bitcoin and they're not going to be going back on the market when things start to come back or when money starts to come back into Bitcoin. And so, you know, it's, a greater percentage of new Bitcoin will be captured by long-term holders instead of short-term holders. And so at, at some point, right, the economy comes back and people start feeling more confident in different investments and it goes out of liquid dollars and into assets. So that would be, you know, I think that the results are similar, but the the timing would change. So for me, you know, somewhere in the summer of next year, we start to see kind of that bull run, Everybody starts talking about Bitcoin. You start to see it in the news a lot. 
And uh, I think you get about a year of that until 2025. And somewhere in there, summer 2025, things start to drop off again. You know, last last time prior to this ramp up, there's all this talk about, you know, it's different this time. This is escape velocity. It's a super cycle where, you know, once Bitcoin becomes a, 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 so valuable, you know, it doesn't come back down. I don't think I'm not going to buy into that. I'm not going to think that's going to happen. I think it's still way too early for that. So, you know, to, for me, the the peak Bitcoin market cap this time was like about 1.3 trillion. So something like three to four trillion this time, you know, not, not, not quite half the market cap of gold. And gold will be more than that by then because gold will still be a, attracting some some U.S. dollars and, and appreciating. So maybe a, a third to a half the market cap of gold. That'd be a triple from the previous peak, which is not that big of a deal for Bitcoin to do. And that puts us around that hundred fifty to $200,000 per Bitcoin. It's five to seven X from where we are today, two to three X from the previous all-time high you know, of 69,000. So for me, you know, that's a, that's pretty reasonable kind of a a place to look at as far as how things are going to go. I do feel like this having cycle is going by quicker than the last one. Like we're only a year away. You know, this is, this is like that 2019 timeframe before the last having. So that's, it just, it just went quicker. You know, we're we're kind of staring it down, and we're, we're in under a year from when Bitcoin goes from six and a quarter to three and an eighth Bitcoin per per block. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Chances are I'm way off because that's the way it works. But but it's like it, the last one didn't go as planned, so they'll expect this one to not go as planned, and maybe it just goes back to normal or back to you know what you'd expect prior to that weird double top we had last time. Yeah, well, I know you said it kind of has gone quicker. The last couple of years, I feel like have drugged by from a crypto perspective, right? Because it's just been so negative going from 69 down to 16. And it's felt like it's been five years just going down rather than two. But no, that makes sense. I I think that it definitely possible, right? Who knows what will happen? I kind of looked at it from a a spot ETF perspective, right? I mean, if you look at kind of the top 10 asset managers that have spot ETFs in, at least in the US, there's $27 trillion of assets under management, right? So if you get 5% of that, which I think is possible, right? I mean, 5% is kind of what Ray Dalio has been saying, you need to put 5% in Bitcoin, and 5% a few other things, right? But 5% puts most likely the market cap in an area that justifies about $120,000 Bitcoin, right? So uh, 150,000, whatever it is. So, I mean, that's 2X-ish from what the previous top was, which would be great. Now, does that happen in, say, early 2024 when things get approved, or does that take a little bit longer? Don't know if, if for some reason, all of a sudden the spot ETF went crazy and it was everybody wanted to get in and you had 20% of those assets going into Bitcoin. And now you're talking about close to a $500,000 Bitcoin, right? And will it stay there? Who knows? I kind of agree with you. I think it's probably 
I'm not going to achieve this escape velocity and it will kind of come back down at some point because people are going to want to take profits. The other thing to kind of think about too is, and I think this is Arthur Hayes had mentioned it, that AI is is growing like crazy. I mean, shoot, you talk to Michael Saylor and he says AI is the next big thing and it's going to be here in about five years. If you're not involved in the next five years with AI, you're going to be left behind. What is interesting that he was mentioning is that AI is going to decide to use Bitcoin as their currency that they deal with just because there's nobody to control it. So because of that, that pushes the price of Bitcoin even higher. I think his prediction was about 850K for, for Bitcoin. Granted, that's a little farther out. And even like Kathy Wood says, her bear prediction for Bitcoin is 500K. Right. So worst case, it's going to be 500K in the next decade or so. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, you know, you talk about the ETF money and, and all that. It's not just that money. Like once that price starts to go up, it just pulls in other money. Right. It pulls in people yeah. from the sidelines. It, it, you're going to have people that, you know, talk to their Edward Jones guy and they're like, look, you know, I'm selling this real, you know, I, I'm getting out of this house that I bought. As a as an investment, I'm going to put some of that. I want some of that money into this into this Bitcoin ETF. I'm tired of watching. You know, I got two of my buddies and a guy, a friend of a friend, they're just making a killing in Bitcoin. So I want to get in, in on in on that. You know, multiply that times you know a couple million people. Um, it's going to suck in a bunch of money. There's there's a lot of people. A lot of people get, enjoy being like. Oh, it's not too late. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on the way up. And so once that there's a, there's that catalyst to, to hit the price increase, then it just triggers more money piling in. So, yeah, I mean, like my, whatever, 150, $200,000 Bitcoin, like you could, you could run way past that and then drop back down. You know, it's kind of hard to say just because things get so unreasonable when it comes to, how much money flows in and not only that you also have coinbase which is has will have been public for four or five years by then and people are getting more and more comfortable assuming that they survive the sec suit that they're in that they're i feel like they're in a pretty good position or at least they can pivot and and you know make some changes and still exist so you're talking about coinbase people could become more comfortable with log like downloading the coinbase app and connecting it to their bank account and putting in you know five or ten grand into into bitcoin you know a lot of people did it in 2017 18 where they're like look i'm just gonna i'm just gonna buy you know ten thousand dollars worth of bitcoin and i'm just just gonna let it ride there's a ton of people that did that stuff so you're talking about people that know people that did that they want a piece of it too for some reason, they won't do it right now when, you know, Bitcoin's only, you know, $30,000, but they'll wait until it's 80 and it's not too late. It's going to go to 250, da, 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 da. And they're sick of people that bought it at five, you know, talking to them and, you know, at business meetings and stuff. So I think you'll see this, you know, it's getting more and more outside of just tech people and it's getting into kind of ordinary people. You know, we've got one of my in-laws has zero interest in Bitcoin, but she bought into she back when Coinbase only had Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin. She she bought into the, into all three of those, and just all she does is sit on it. She just keeps her login and 
password and doesn't even look at it or think about it. So there's there's going to be a lot of people like that. Well, it's funny too because we're talking mainly just about U.S. and in the U.S. I feel like is while they somewhat lead in innovation, they don't see the pain that the rest of the world is going through with inflation. Right. right. Where our inflation we're complaining about four, six, eight percent, whatever it is. I mean, there's countries out there that are a hundred plus percent. <laughs> yeah, they're saying it's, that every month. Yeah. So I mean, they are looking for something to get away from ASAP. And you I mean, their dollars are tanking, so they have to find something else. And that's Bitcoin has been kind of that safe haven for a lot of countries and a lot of people around the world. Yeah, uh, so. and, and it's there's a there's kind of that mentality too, where you know Venezuelans and Turkey people in Turkey, they understand like oh, some of my friends did this with their currency. They got into Bitcoin, and they're able to come back out of Bitcoin, and you know they're buying double, triple the lira or whatever peso, you know, two months later in order to buy groceries and stuff. So they're you know you as long as you have those on and off ramps you can preserve your buying power even if even if bitcoin's going you know up and down if if you start paying attention to it, i mean it, it's your full-time job right like you can't out earn that 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 five percent per month inflation right you're, you're you can't you, there's not enough hours in a day to work that much so you got to start playing games like that and so once people start playing those games then and winning their friends are going to be in, in into it too and you know it's just going to be Money, money goes into Bitcoin. I mean, it's just sometimes it comes out more than it goes in, and but over a long enough time span, more money goes into Bitcoin than goes out. Yeah. Well, no surprise, we're both very optimistic about Bitcoin and crypto in general. Will these numbers hit anywhere near what we talked about? Who knows? <laughs> it's uh, let's say the confidence level on that is is very low. At this point, I've learned not to believe anything and just to ride it and enjoy what happens yeah, so i agree you... like like i expect it to go up if it goes down too much I, I don't see it going to zero but but yeah man it's like let's go ahead and surprise me let's see what happens yeah i mean i think the goal at the end of the day is come up with a plan and try to follow that plan if it hits it great if it doesn't you can reset the next time there's a cycle and hopefully it'll hit your plan at that point <laughs> yeah yeah just don't get yourself in one of these positions where you're leveraged and can't pay things back or you're you know get upside down in some weird trade like you know if you get too greedy you'll probably get burned yep no i agree awesome well this has been a fun conversation as always Hal. so i appreciate you jumping on here and, and chatting and we'll talk again next week all right sounds good Jason. If all of these crypto conversations leave you with more questions and you're looking for answers, I've created a product that dives into most of those answers, including why crypto, how to set up a cold wallet, and some of the more advanced strategies for dealing with crypto. Check the link in the notes below and hope to see you there.